Welcome to another Real Estate with Wendy podcast. In our booth, as always, is our engineer, Gene. And I have more emails this week, so let's begin. That sounds like a wonderful plan. So here's a great question from Carol B. Where exactly is, quote, the money? I get asked this one all the time. The money is everywhere. It is all around you. It is not only at your bank or your local mortgage lender. The money is also through your family, your friends, at your church or in your neighborhood. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be someone who you know is an investor, but perhaps you don't know them that well. I'll give you an example because everybody says, oh, Wendy, only you know the people, only you know. No, you know these people too. And I'm going to give you a prime example of how you know these people. You've heard, Gene, of the, and you've seen them, the we buy ugly houses signs that sit at the corner of whatever busy streets. Okay, these people are investors. These people buy houses. They buy wholesale. They are the wholesalers. You want to know where the money is? They have the money. That's where the money is located. And should you want to do a deal, I promise you, I've done this. I've jotted down the phone number on one of those signs, and I called the guy and said, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my deal. Do you want to partner up? Do you want to, you know, loan me this money? I'll do these terms. And we started talking business. And if I want to wholesale a property, and it's not something that jumps out to someone else that I know, I'll send it over his way. He's an investor. He's a wholesaler. He'll buy it. And he has the money to do deals. That's one place. I've seen the money in church. My pastor, in fact, sent me to a person at my local church. He worked for Delta. He was not an investor at the time, but he had been talking about wanting to take his money and he's getting older and he wanted to start diversifying and investing and doing things. And so I told the pastor, lead me in that direction. Give me that phone number. Let me, I'll just pitch it myself. It's, you know, the numbers don't lie. It's going to be something that he clearly sees. This is something I have got to get in on. I can't not do this. When you're working on deals that are idiot-proof and impossible to lose deals, then anybody in their right flipping mind is going to do these deals. Any investor, anybody with money is going to say, oh yeah, let's do that. I'll do that. I'll loan you money. Sure. No problem. And what happens if I don't get paid back? Okay, cool. This is not something that is hard to convince these people. These are business people. They just want to know how much money are they getting? What's the return on investment? What does this add up to for them? And as long as it makes mathematical sense, if you're bringing back a 50% return, oh my God, you're a miracle worker. You're, you're amazing. You're not doing it in the stock market. You're not doing it anywhere else. You're certainly not doing it with your money sitting in the bank. If you have enough money to start thinking about investing and doing something for your future, then you're going to start thinking about, like this man did, where am I going to put my money and where am I going to build the most growth? I started telling him about other deals. I started wholesaling with him directly, and he just paid me for a couple of years to just run around while he was working at Delta. He'd be in Singapore, Japan, here, there, and yonder, flouncing all over the world. Sometimes, and I promise you, as his realtor, sometimes he didn't even know what he was buying until after the fact, like days, weeks later, because he was incommunicado. He couldn't get messages at that time. His money, his IRA, I highly stress the Roth IRA. Maybe we should do a podcast about that. 
And we went and tranched around here, there, and yonder, and I found him property after property after property during 2008, 2009, where you could get them for 10 grand, 5 grand, 12 grand, 15 grand, and I'm talking brick houses, nice places that now are worth over 200, 300 grand. And he's laughing. He's, oh my gosh, that windy. Because for the last 10 years, what has he done? He has made his money five times over because it was all rented out all that money went right back into his IRAs. And then, of course, when he sold, he was pretty happy. And I can still call him today and say, hey, could you loan me some money? I have this venture I want to do. And because of all of the deals that we did together and me personally for him, he's got the money. That's where the money's at. You have these people in your life. You just don't realize it sometimes. And you have to think very carefully, oh, yeah, my uncle or, oh, yeah, my friend that works at the school with me. Oh, yes. They talk about, you know, their husband and them doing these flipping projects on the side, or they do this or that for extra money, because Lord knows nobody pays teachers enough. They're out there. Think very carefully about different things in your community. Business owners, for example. There are local businesses that are very, very local, not like big, huge conglomerates. I'm talking like your local Delhi, or, and again, this is a huge conglomeration, but I can remember back in the day at this one particular fast food place that I worked at when I was a teenager, this particular corporation, if I had gone to the owner, which I knew the owner personally, and said, I would like to do this business or that deal, this particular owner would have said, let's do that business. As it turns out, just like McDonald's, just like a lot of these other businesses, they're really in the real estate business. You know, when they buy the land, they're really in the real estate business. They're buying up the local real estate that's prime real estate, and that's where the real money is. That's what I would say is think about your area, think about the local businesses, think about the local people, and think of predominant people in your area. I like to go, and this again is just another windy hack, freebie just for you guys. I like to go to my local town hall meeting, like when they do the local council and they talk about, you know, the budget and they talk about where the city is going. These are the people like the mayor, for example, the mayor is there, all these people that run the town. They're all there. These are all the people who are real estate investors. They run the town. They own the town. I'm just here to tell you, these are the people that I like to get to know. I like to talk to these people. And the way I do it is to go to these town hall meetings. Freebie hack for you guys. If you're interested in knowing where the money is, go to your town hall meetings. Go to your local spots, like your local restaurant, your local coffee shop that the mayor or the the local predominant people who are, you and I both know, run the town, go to the places they hang out at. Talk to the people they talk to. Talk to them. Get yourself involved in the local running of the town, and I promise you, you'll find the money. Okay, this one from Lisa M. is worded a little funny. Uh, it gets to a question eventually. Buy and hold, comma, fix and flip, comma, or wholesale. Gotcha. A lot of people ask, Wendy, what should I do? What should I focus on? Should I just do buy and hold? Is that where the great money is? Or should I just do fix and flip? Or should I just do wholesale? Should I do, you know, this or should I do that? And I'm going to tell you, it depends on each individual, first of all, and it depends on the deal, secondly. And you have to figure in those two things before you figure anything else into your calculations. Okay, when I am thinking of fix and flip, 
or buy and hold because it's always, okay, now that you've got it fixed, you're either going to rent it out or you're going to sell it. And it's one of the two generally. There's no in-between. You're either keeping it or you're not keeping it. Buy and hold is an excellent long-term strategy. We're talking years it takes to make the same pop as when you do the quick fix and flip. Now, a fix and flip is a good amount of money. And if you've done it right, they can be great. And they can be something that it makes sense to do regularly. If the deal says, oh, this is not a a buy and hold, this is a a flip. For example, something that you got that was so ridiculously low priced that you can easily just slap some paint on the pig and sell it for 70 grand profit. Oh yeah, you're definitely going to do that. You're not going to put the effort and the time and the everything that's involved into rehabbing it and then renting it out and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot that goes into the ownership over many years, and that includes things like wear and tear, taxes that you have to pay, mortgage insurance, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things. And sometimes it makes more sense to just flip something quickly. And especially if you're needing a influx of money, if you're needing the money to go ahead to your next deal, to your next project, to your next renovation, and you're needing a a quick pop of money, then yes, that might be something that makes sense in that instance. There are other instances, for example, maybe it doesn't need a ton of rehab. Maybe it's not something that you're going to make a ton of money on right now because you're in a down market like where we are right now. The market right now is going down. It's not like it has done a nosedive, but it is on a downward trend and it's correcting itself. That being the case, perhaps now might not be the time for me personally to do a flip. Right now, I might in a particular instance decide to say, okay, I've put this money into it. And for example, if you've put more money into the fix and the remodel, then perhaps this is something where you need to now recoup that money over a longer time frame. Again, it depends on your financial situation and your circumstance. But I look at those scenarios of where am I at? What do I need to do in this particular case? What does the deal dictate? That, again, is always going to be number one. When you're running the numbers on this particular deal, what does the deal say you need to do? Does it say you need to buy and hold this thing, or does it say you need to flip it? Again, if you got it for $5,000 and you don't have to do nothing but paint the walls and you can make 70 or 80 grand, then you already know, man, that is a for sure flip. If it's something where you've got more money in it initially, let's say you paid 50 grand for it, now you've got to do another 20 grand worth of remodel, so you'll have 70 in it, but it'll be worth 150. So you're still going to have that 50% equity that we talked about. Again, it's a slower thing though, so you know you've got your money in it, but it makes more sense sometimes to hold those properties because they are now remodeled. They're in such great condition. You've got a good area. You know that you can put tenants in it that aren't going to destroy it. If the situation calls and the property calls for that particular thing to happen, then you run the numbers and you find out what's best for that particular deal and you do that. That would be my answer to the question. All right, next from Ken L. Do I need a realtor 
And if so, why? Okay, so I hear a lot of talk for both pro-realtor and against realtor. I hear a lot of talk on social media from the investing websites that talk about how they hate realtors. Realtors aren't good for anything. They're liars. They're cheaters. They're scammers. They're only interested in their own money, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's true for some realtors, perhaps. However, I can only speak for myself, but in my experience, I'm always working for my client. I am a realtor, by the way. I'm always working for my client. I never work for myself. When there's more money that gets made in a deal, sure, I might make more money, but my client makes more money. And the more money they make, the more money I make. Therefore, we're in business together. I'm not out to scam someone. I'm not out to go and try to get as much money as I can. In fact, let me tell you a little secret here, folks. I do about 50% of what I do for free, pro bono. I just give information out. Somebody will call me up. Hey, Wendy, I want to do so-and-so business deal. Could you come? Could you bring the contracts? Could you do all of the negotiations? Could you do everything for free, just pro bono? Yes, I do that all the time. I don't think that that is being a scam artist, anything negative that sometimes I hear about realtors and how money hungry they are. I, again, am not that person. I have got my own things going on investment-wise and business-wise that I don't function. And, and I'll agree that not all realtors are like me. I don't function the same way some of these other people do. I don't need your money. I've got my own money. I don't need your business. I've got my own business going on. So the stuff that I do, I do for fun. I do for philanthropy. I do for my friends and my family. I do it because they ask me to do it, not because I'm getting compensated in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think a job that I did recently, I got paid in cookies. And I'm not kidding. They made me a little batch of cookies and that was the thank you for helping them do this particular contract that they did. And those were some darn good cookies, by the way. Best ever. I need some more cookies. Shout out, you know who you are. <laughs> so back on topic of, of do you need a realtor and why. You may need a realtor. Maybe. You may not need a realtor. But let me explain some of the things that realtors do that maybe you don't know about or some things that realtors do that not just anybody can do. For example, contracts. Where are you going to get your contracts if you don't get them from your realtor? I'm just curious. Are you just going to go to the local office depot and print up a contract and expect that to be good enough? <laughs> and if you go to an attorney and you get a proper contract made up, then that's going to cost you probably hundreds to close to $1,000. May as well be paying a realtor at that point. Contracts that are as thorough and as detailed and as concise and knowledgeable, covering everything that could possibly happen. Those kind of contracts are worth their weight in gold, my friends. And you're going to need those contracts, I promise you. I personally give them away for free. I print them up for whomever may ask for a contract, and I'll help them fill them out. I'll help them, you know, negotiate, do whatever they need to do. But these contracts are very, very, very valuable. And you do not want to go to some office type store and try to get contracts to do the things that you need to do in business because I'm here to tell you they're just not sufficient. At least that's my own personal opinion. Okay, so knowledge. That's another thing that real estate agents and realtors have that you don't have. You are not a real estate agent. You are not a professional. You are not a realtor. You do not have 10 to 20 years of 
knowing the comps and knowing how to run the numbers and knowing which ones are good investments and which ones aren't. You don't have that knowledge in your head. You don't possess it, chances are, unless you are a realtor. Another one is knowing what's available. You know, again, your realtor is going to know what's available both on market and off. They're going to know what's in their neighborhood. Most realtors, in fact, they will specialize in a certain pocket area, what they call their area. For me, mine is like within two miles of my house, and I know everything. Every house, every trailer, every shed, every person who is walking up and down the street. When I tell you I know my area, I know it, I smell it, I breathe it every day. And when something comes up in my area, of course I'm going to know about it. That's something that your realtor, your real estate agent locally is going to live and breathe. They are going to know all about their area. And I suggest not to use just one particular agent all the time, but find one that is going to be knowledgeable in your particular area and the area that you're looking to buy or sell in. So they're also going to have another very, very, very important thing. Realtors or real estate agents are going to have negotiation skills. Maybe you're, you know, Don Juan. Maybe you're some fast-talking attorney-type slick Rick. However, (laughs) you're probably not. (laughs) You're probably just some average Joe who doesn't have the negotiation skills because your job doesn't require it, because that's not something that you've been trained to do. The power and the art of negotiation is something that can be learned, and it can be learned by pretty much anybody, but it's something that unless you have that skill, you better pick up a book, you better start Googling, you better start figuring something out, or you better hire somebody who has that skill right now if you're trying to do something right now. The better they are at negotiating, that's going to be the better for you. I would find a very powerful negotiator when I was trying to purchase a particular property. Another thing is being able to point you towards other investors, other cash buyers. Investors and cash buyers are the same thing. Generally, investors are going to be people who have tons and tons of capital available, cash. Generally, they are buying these deals off market. They're buying them at prices that are much below market value, which means that they need lots and lots and lots of repairs. And don't you know that banks do not give money? to these hoopity, beat up, non-flooring having, you know, holes in the drywall that banks won't loan on that. Again, it has to be investors. It has to be cash. So our last email for this round is from Sandra M. And we've kind of hit on this in another podcast, but I'm sure you have more to say. The question is, what is an option contract? Okay, so an option contract is a contract that is used when you are not currently buying or selling real estate. But should that be available in the future, then you have the option above all others to do that contract. So it is the option to purchase in the future. And usually at a non-specified date, it's just in the future. If they ever change their mind, it comes into play with me. If someone says, I'm driving for dollars, and it all starts with the driving for dollars. You're driving around, you're on your way to work, you see this beat up old house, and man, the grass has gotten so high, and you can tell that nobody lives there, the windows have become boarded up you're thinking, wow. So you write down the address and you finally do the research and you find out who the owner is and you skip trace and you find out here's who this owner is. So you call them up and you say, hey, 
I got this contract right here, this purchase and sale contract. I see that nobody's living in your house. It's not like it's making you money right now. You don't have it occupied by yourself, your tenants, nobody. So it's costing you money, actually. Would you like to get this property off your hands? Well, what if the owner says, no, I don't want to do that right now? That's when I chime in with a, can I get an options contract? Can I can I get you to change your mind perhaps in the future? If you ever did change your mind, would you give me the first option to buy it? What is your price? Name your price. Do you want to name it now? Do you want to name it in the future? It depends on the negotiations and the deal. You can put things into it like the buyer and the seller, of course. You can put into it if you both have brokers or not. You can put in what the option term is. If there's going to be a finite term, the purchase and sale agreement that may or may not be already written up, trotting it down to the courthouse and having it made official in another podcast, perhaps. The exercising of the option, the option commission, how much did you pay the person to make this option official? It's always going to cost something. Could be sometimes as little as a dollar. And I'll tell you, this happened to me just a couple of weeks ago. There is this one property down in Hogansville that I've been wanting to buy in that area for a long time. And I've been looking. Well, this guy comes up to me and he's a, he's a sketchy sort of dude. I won't get into the details. And he tells me he owns a property. He owns it outright. It was, I guess, gifted to him. His parents, grandparents, whatever, deeded it to him. And he needs to sell it. He's going to have to have a ton of cash to do whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. So the whole thing sounds extremely sketchy to me. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is just, (laughs) this is unreal. But in the interest of doing a possible deal, you want to have some skin in the game. You want to have the ability to do something. So again, I handed him a dollar and I said, hey, you know, let's go ahead and do this option agreement. If I find out that everything is good, let's go ahead and sign the purchase and sale agreement too. So we'll have all these contracts ready and already signed. But if we find out that you can sell this house to me and I can buy it and it's all legal-like, then boom, here's the contract. It's already done. If we find out it's not legit or I can't do this, then all I've wasted is a dollar. Do you see what I'm saying? In some circumstances, You do not want to overinvest your time or your money because some things are sketchy and you may not get your money back. I like to always put a dollar in because that's not costing, you know what I mean? I I spend more than that on a drink. We do what we can, but again, I evaluate a real deal. I'll throw $500 earnest money, $1,000 earnest money. It's getting to be where 1,000 is more the common year or two back, it was 500. Now they've upped it to a grand. I would not suggest an instance like this sketchy dude. As it turned out, he doesn't even have an ID. We can't close on a house without him having an ID. And guess what? The minute he goes to get one, there's going to be a scenario that takes place that is not going to turn out well for me, and he won't be available for a while. So, hmm, I'm glad I only spent a dollar on that particular deal. But again, on good deals where you're dealing with real estate agents, real estate attorneys, you're going to a closing, you know what I mean? And you know that it's legit. In those circumstances, then yes, you definitely can put more money into your option or more money into your down payment. All right. Talking about options has been fun. You guys keep sending in all of your questions to me at realestatewindypodcast at gmail.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Real Estate with Wendy podcast.